Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. First, I just want to say that empathy, I think many believe that um, it just kind of comes naturally. And of course, as human beings, we are empathetic. And of course, if we care about someone, you know, that kind of comes uh, naturally to a certain extent, but it also has to be practiced. And this is the point of today's episode is to talk about how empathy is a muscle. So before I get to that, I just want to give you some broad strokes on what happens to the brain when we practice empathy? Uh, so the first thing, it increases mirror neuron activity. And mirror neurons are brain cells that activate both when we perform an action and when we observe someone else performing the same action. So empathy triggers the activation of mirror neurons, helping us understand and connect with others' emotions and experiences. It also strengthens emotional regulation. Empathy requires us to recognize and understand emotions in ourselves and, of, uh, and of course, with others. And this process can improve our emotional regulation skills. And this is a really important piece because many people, especially if you've been in traumatic relationships or had a traumatic upbringing, um, emotional regulation is one of the tools that you're going to need, you know, just to calm and get through just life turbulence. So this allows us to manage our own emotions more effectively, the practice of empathy, right? Also uh, enhances brain connectivity. Empathy involves various brain regions, such as the prefrontal cortex, and that's the the part of your brain that's responsible for decision-making and social behavior. And the insula, it's associated with emotional processing. So regular empathetic experiences can strengthen the connectivity between these regions, facilitating better emotional understanding and interpersonal interactions. Four, empathy uh, creates neuroplasticity. I can never say this word. Empathy creates neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change and adapt, known as, I'm not going to say it. I just said it. (laughs) It's, it's, It's influenced by uh, practicing empathy, and regular empathetic actions and thoughts can lead to rewiring and and reorganization of neural connections in response to these experiences. Can I just say real quick, off topic, um, I was one of those kids who, in middle school, was terrified to read, and um, when the teacher called on me to read, I would be in like this... um, deer in headlights. I just, I have a, maybe it's my uh, dyslexia slash ADD. I don't know what it is. So of course, when I'm reading notes, um, you can sense the uh, sixth grader who is standing up and nervous. Anyway, number five, the release of oxytocin. This is why I trip on my words. Number five, release of oxytocin. And oxytocin, it's that chemical. It's the uh, love hormone, right? And empathetic interactions can trigger the release of oxytocin, often referred to as the bonding hormone. And this is why when you're empathetic to your partner and vice versa, you 
get that chemical high. You feel close. You feel understood. You feel that connection. And number six, decreases stress response. Yes, empathy can reduce the psychological stress response in both the empathizer and the person receiving empathy. So showing compassion and understanding can promote feelings of safety and security, leading to a decrease in stress levels. Okay, all of that is happening in your brain when you practice empathy. So now I just want to talk about the importance of it in relationships. Again, I really believe that uh, it is a muscle that needs to be practiced. Yes, yes, we have it as humans, of course, but you know, we're not stretching it. We're not growing it. And so to actively be empathetic, it requires um, A, a reminder because we forget, but the intention to do it. And of course... I think the most important times in a relationship when you should be practicing empathy is during conflict, right? This is when, or this is how, you create uh, neutral soil uh, to be empathetic of what your partner is going through, and for your partner to be empathetic of what you're going through, what you're going through. That's going to, um, it's going to help with the fighting without fighting, right? It's going to help. Two people come together and try to understand instead of just trying to be understood. So let's talk about the five practices to cultivate empathy with your partner. So number one, um, you got to cultivate active listening. Hey, I wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. And so active listening is the cornerstone of empathy. So you dedicate yourself to truly hearing your partner without interruption or judgment, right? And you're not just listening to words. You're taking in their energy, um, their body language. That's a huge one, right? What's happening behind their eyes. Give them your undivided attention, making eye contact and showing genuine curiosity. Curiosity because you can't be curious and judgmental at the same time. So curious about their experiences. Number two, practice perspective taking so empathy grows when we make a conscious effort to step into our partner's shoes so set aside your own assumptions and biases and listen you don't have to agree with everything right but just set aside your your own wants needs and shoulds labels judgments and genuinely try to understand your partner's point of view what might she be feeling or thinking um, how might her unique experiences shape her perspective? And also, a part of perspective taking is to acknowledge uh, your partner's story. You know, when you know your partner's story, why they are, or why they think how they think, or why they are how they are. Um, when you know someone's story, you're a lot more empathetic, right? There's a lot more understanding. You're not just putting weight on their behavior or thought process. You're seeing the, the whole you're seeing the whole movie, the whole their whole story, right? And so it's very 
um, you're connecting dots, and it's it, it's easier to be empathetic when you know someone's story. Okay, uh, validate and acknowledge emotions. Emotions are a fundamental part of the human experience, and empathy involves recognizing and validating. Validating. Listen, you, you don't have to um, fix things. Sometimes validating is what your partner needs, and so just validating your partner's feelings. I think a lot of people, and I don't want to just say men, but a lot of people go straight to solutions before the validation, and that is slippery, and it's not what we want. You know, we want to be heard first. We want you to understand, or at least try to, you know, and then the solutions we come up with together, right? So make an effort to acknowledge and accept your partner's emotions, even if you don't fully understand or agree with them. Let them know that their emotions are valid and worthy of attention. And also, if your partner is not doing this for you, it's important for you to ask for this. You know, and, and you don't want to do this in a way where you're blaming and pointing fingers, but it's like, hey, you know, I um I just I need you to validate me. I need you to say that it's okay that I'm going through this uh, before we get to solutions. You know, I need to be seen and felt heard. Can can you do that for me? You you don't want to um, demand or <laughs> or make ultimatums. Obviously, you don't want to uh, say this is what you know. Your tone that that's what it, your tone shouldn't be. One of which uh, there is a lot of like. Here's what I need from you because you're probably going to get defense back. So going into it with um, sincerity, going into it with um, self-worth and, and knowing what you want, but not demanding, knowing what you need. For developing emotional awareness, and uh, empathy starts with self-awareness, being aware of self, cultivating a deeper understanding of your own emotions, what activates you, uh, and also your own reactions, you know. This self-reflection allows you to approach your partner with greater compassion and empathy. So by knowing yourself, you can better navigate emotional landscapes and respond to your partner's needs. If you don't have a sense of self, um, it, it's going to be hard to be empathetic because empath- empathy requires uh, a certain level of self-regulation and self-emotional uh, intelligence, you know. You have to be aware of your own self and what comes up and be responsible by not making it about you, right? And of course, that takes emotional awareness. And finally, communicate with empathetic language. And I think this is something that we don't think about, right? The words we choose have the power to either nurture or hinder empathy. And I'm also going to add, it's not just language, it's tone. I think tone is huge, right? I mean, think about like when people are sarcastic. It could come off as funny or light, depending on the tone, or it could come off as um, hurtful and damaging, you know, sarcasm, for example. So be mindful of your language and tone and strive to use empathetic phrases that convey understanding and support. Expressions like, I can imagine that must be really difficult for you, you know, like I understand why you feel that way. And this may be obvious, um, but... It's important that you actually say it 
Because you may be like, well, of course I understand what you're going through, or of course I understand this is difficult for you, and that's why I'm buying you this Rolex, <laughs> or, or that's why I'm doing these things in action, and that's all great. But you know what? It's like, it's like the, the words I'm sorry, which people um, never say, right? Like they'll, they'll, they'll kind of indirectly apologize, or they may even say, hey, here's what I'm going to do to change things or change myself, but they actually don't say I'm sorry. I don't know if it's a pride thing. I mean, I, I think some of it is a pride thing, an ego thing. Um, with empathetic language, yes, sometimes it can feel obvious, but you got to say it out loud. You got to say the words. You got to say, uh, I understand what you're going through. And even if I don't, what you must be going through must be difficult, you know? Knowing you and, and what you're going through, um, I'm, I'm sorry that you're going through that, and I could, if I put myself in your shoes, I get why that's so hard for you, right? Language like that. Anyway, things to um, practice when it comes to cultivating empathy for your partner. And hey, if um, anything that I've said has helped, been helpful to you or has reminded you and you want to remind a friend or even uh, your partner, <laughs> this may be kind of a subtle way to, to tell your partner, hey, uh, and also if you send this to your partner, you, you're not giving your partner homework, right? Because I think I have a lot of people who um, will listen to an episode and they'll just send it to their partner. If you're going to send something to your partner, you got to say, hey, listen, um, I found this helpful, and um, I just want to share it with you. It, it's not like, here, go do this, because <laughs> your partner is probably not going to listen to it. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be well.